Welcome back to another installment of our AWM Capital podcast series on name, image, and likeness. With NIL being such a new and hot topic, our goal is to peel back the curtain and give you a better understanding of what is fact and what is fiction in this ever-evolving space. Today, I'm joined by my colleague and former Super Bowl champion and Pro Bowl tight end, Zach Miller, as well as Jonathan Pixley, who is the Vice President of Athletics, Name, Image, and Likeness at Matchpoint Connection. Thank you both for joining me today on this podcast. Thanks, Will. Thank you for having us. So, Jonathan, we'll just jump right in. For people that are new to NIL, can you give us a brief introduction into what NIL is and then discuss why Matchpoint Connection was founded? Well, uh, NIL stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. Uh, and so, you know, as of July 1st of this year, um, college athletes were given the, given the right to monetize their name, image, and likeness and actually get paid uh, to do various advertising things could be on social media, um, could be an autograph session, could be, uh, you know, an on-site appearance, anything that involves their name, image, and likeness. College athletes are able to, to monetize that now. Uh, as of July 1, it's been in the works for several years, of course, but the last two years it really picked up steam and, and we knew it was coming. Uh, Matchpoint was founded on the NIL premise. I mean, it was based on that and we knew it was coming. We didn't know exactly when it was coming, but we knew um, that we wanted to be in a position uh, to be able to, to in, involve ourselves in the marketplace for sure. We have since leveled up, obviously, uh, with where we're dealing with all social media influencers because we knew that if you deal with only athletes, or college athletes, you're dealing with about 460,000 college athletes and it limits you. So we've, we've leveled up. But the NIL world is, uh, is a big enough one to be involved in by itself. So that's why it was founded. That's great. I mean, for me personally, I think the NIL stuff as a former athlete um, that would have had some NIL deals in college, I think what you're doing is amazing. Can you explain to us a little bit about um, how Matchpoint works and then you know, kind of what's your role in the marketplace? What are you solving for? Well, uh, Matchpoint is ultimately the dating app for uh, athletes slash influencers and, and businesses to connect. So you would create a profile either as a brand or as a talent on our app. And ultimately, the details that you give in that profile would create a suggested feed uh, that would give you the best possible matches for you to be involved with, partnerships for you to be involved with. And we're one of the only two-way marketplaces in the country at this point where uh, a brand can pitch a talent and a talent can pitch a brand. Uh, most of them, most of the platforms are set up to where, you know, ultimately a brand pitches a talent and that's it. Uh, but athletes on our app can reach out to businesses, you know, both locally and nationally and, and submit offers to them. And once the offers are submitted, um, you know, then it's up to the other side. They'll receive a push or email, an email notification, letting them know that they got an offer waiting on them. They open it up. They can either accept it, reject it or continue negotiating uh, through our chat function that we have in our app. Um, and ultimately, once the offer is accepted, the money is sent to us. The, whatever the money is that's been agreed upon to be paid by the brand to the talent, it's sent to us at match point, and we hang on to it in escrow until the deliverable has been completed. Once the deliverable has been completed, it's sent back to the business for review. They review it, and as long as they're okay with you know that that it was completed up to standard, then once they mark complete, then we release the money. Uh, to the athlete or the talent on the other side and match point makes nine percent on both sides which 
it's, uh, you know, we haven't gotten any pushback on that 9%. First of all, it's a nominal fee. But secondly, we're finding out that a lot of the platforms nationally right now, they, there are some that aren't charging athletes anything. So that's very attractive to the athletes, of course. But what they're not really promoting heavily is the fact that they're, they're charging the brands 25, 30%. So you have less brands to partner with, right? Um, so we kind of try to find that middle ground. The problem that we are trying to solve is simple. We're trying to educate the marketplace on both sides, right? Because nobody really knows what to do with this yet. They're, they're figuring it out slowly, but surely. Um, and, and I'm going to use this phrase one time, and, and I, I can't stand it, okay? The, the wild, wild west, right? Um, so that's it. I'm not saying it again because it's the most commonplace phrase used right now. Um, but it is the, the chaos that has ensued because of NIL, which we knew that would happen as well. We want to help clean that up and, and allow um, an easier method, I guess, for you know athletes and businesses to connect and also to allow the athletes to be their own agents to a degree, right? So that they understand their value. Now, that has also created a, a sense of chaos as well, but um, ultimately that's what we want to do. We want to kind of help clean that area up so that athletes feel like they, they can represent themselves um, they can learn how to do that effectively and also for brands to be able to connect to them very, very easily. Now, I know you just said that, you know, you just want to say wild, wild west one time, um, but you I'm going to go ahead again. and re- 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm go revisit that. You know, w- within the marketplace, I mean, this is so new um, since the inception was this past summer. What's been available for college athletes? What does that actually look like? <sighs> Everything. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the chaos that I'm talking about. It's, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of crazy things happen. Um, I mean, I, I know y'all are paying attention to it heavily as well, but these collectives that are being formed at these different universities where you, you're not, you don't really get the details to how the money's being dispersed and what businesses they're attached to and everything, but it could be everything from a collective, which kind of comes across as like a pot of gold for the athletes to go to a university um, to, um, you know, the ability to do a social media post for, you know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks and really everything in between uh, is available to them at this point. I don't know how much longer that lasts with the, the, the redrafting of the constitution coming out and all that. But um, at this point it is all is fair game for the most part, other than directly paying a student athlete just to play. There's no pay for play, which, you know, the one, once that happens, you're a pro and there's no more college athlete athletics. So, so from your perspective, I guess, What's what's going to be the answer to the problem? How how are you guys going to fix this? I mean, obviously, there's a ton of people operating in the space and trying to cash in on this. I mean, what's I mean, from from your perspective and then also from, you know, a college athlete's perspective, what uh, what's the you know, what's the best answer for them? Honestly, and and I know this may scare some people, it scares me to even say it, but um, I think we need federal legislation. I really do. I think we need a blanket set of rules across the board. Um, and again, I, I saw you cringe, Will, and I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, 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 it is scary to me. But the, the problem is, if the NCAA is in charge of this, okay, it's already proven that that doesn't work. And so, I mean, the, the redraft that's fixing to come out, ultimately, it, it's, it entails them giving the power to the divisions, which then is going to be filtered down to the conferences, which then 
is filtered down to the school. So what, what ground have we gained, right? Until, in my opinion, there is a blanket set of rules that this is what everybody has to do. Um, I just think there's too much wiggle room for, again, for chaos. I, I, I don't think it can be consistent, and I don't think you're going to have um, the level of success that they, they initially, I guess, saw this as being. It, it's too much freedom, in my opinion. Makes sense. I won't comment on the federal legislation piece. We'll say we'll save that one for uh, coffee another day. Um, but Jonathan, what are what are some of the trends? I know that internally we've had conversations, um, but what are some of the the more notable or, or surprising trends that you're seeing within the NIL marketplace with college athletes? Well, the the one that jumps off the page to us, uh, it did a while back, and now everybody's seeing it is the level of success that female athletes are having with this, right? Um, we all know if we're admitting that females are smarter than we are. So, uh, you know, they, they get the social media space um, and they're, they're more marketable in a lot of different areas, right? I mean, it, you can market a female athlete with more brands than you can market a male athlete with, right? And the key word being athlete there. Um, but at the same time, they're communicative. They work hard at it. They want to do it. A lot of these girls, they're going to want to continue as social media influencers after they graduate. Uh, so they're preparing themselves and we're dealing with some right now, uh, preparing themselves for that world. Um, the other notable trend, uh, and we kind of expected this was that, you know, everybody thought that they were going to make a hundred thousand dollars this year. Right. And it, it is not reality. And, um, I, I just think that when you're dealing with, uh, and this is just the way we've noticed it. There are male athletes that overvalue themselves. Okay. And then the female athletes undervalue themselves, but that is all kind of coming. Uh, the dust, dust is starting to settle a little bit on that and, and they're starting to figure it out. That's great. I think the, um, I mean, going to your point about, um, the female athletes, I mean, what, for an average, you know, collegiate athlete, you know, you're good at your sport. What, what are they, what should they expect? I mean, what kind of expectations do you set for for your athletes? What can they earn? What, um, where should they kind of set the bar? And and how do you know if you're undervalued or overvalued? Well, I mean, you know, obviously the Bryce Youngs of the world who are going to you know make a million dollars, those are the anomalies, right? That those are the exceptions to all the rules. What we are noticing on our on our app and really across the board, most of these NIL deals are for a few hundred bucks. I mean, and it's, you know, between the three and $500 range, uh, you'll have some thousand dollar deals. You'll have some five figure deals, you know, I mean, but again, those are going to really the top two or 3% from a standpoint of um, not only their, their productivity on the field, but also that leads to their social media following. So um, the, the Bryce Young's of the world, the locally for us, the Derek Stingley's of the world, right? Um, uh, Livy Dunn is a, a prime example, but as a gymnast at LSU and, and she's an outstanding gymnast, but she's been in the social media world for a long time leading up to this. So again, she's another exception with, I don't know, she's got like 5 million followers across all of her platforms. So she's doing big money deals all the time. Right. And again, those are the exceptions to the rule. The 97% we like to call it. Those are the ones that if they do it right, they're going to accept smaller deals up front. And they're going to build their brand until it turns into, uh, you know, bigger ticket deals down the road. Kind of piggybacking on that thought, you know, you mentioned earlier and we've touched on it. There seems to be an issue 
as far as understanding the athlete's value and market, marketability. Uh, being a great player on the field doesn't always translate over to the marketing dollars with NIL. With that being said, what, what are ways that you are seeing athletes have success in procuring and managing their image through the use of their social media? Do you have any thoughts on, on how an athlete should prepare or, or tips on what you have seen as a success, successful formula? Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm being um, not, uh, I'm certainly not an expert in the social media world. Okay. Um, but we do have one here at Matchpoint who is. Crystal Faircloth was, um, I mean, a, a, a very, very significant influencer in the social media world for years and years. And now she's here with us and she's providing insight to these athletes and influencers as to how to go about it. And, and she said it's just really simple. You know, first of all, you want to accept smaller deals up front, like we talked about, uh, until you get your name recognition out there and brand built a little bit. And then it's about posting, knowing when to post, what to post, posting consistently, um, but posting things on social media about real life outside of sports. That's what that's what followers want to see. They want to see, you know, what 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 did Zach Miller have for <laughs> dinner last night? Right. Um, <laughs> As creepy as that sounds, right? It's still, it's, it's what they want to see. They want to see outside of football or gymnastics or whatever. I'm guessing that was steak last night if I had known Zach. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was actually <laughs> shrimp pasta um, my wife made. Very good stuff. Um, one thing I was going to ask is, is with, you know, schools, I've seen it. Um, so many, especially I pay attention to college football, obviously. So many of these schools are using uh, NIL as a recruiting tool. Um, you know, these funds you mentioned earlier that are being created to kind of attract recruits, um, sponsor, sponsorship packages. Um, what, I mean, how much of this is a legitimate concern? And then what are you, what are you seeing as far as these funds? Um, you know, what's, what's that future look like, especially for some of these big programs that have kind of the, the donors, the boosters to really back it up? Well, the, the funds are concerning for me personally and us at Matchpoint, just because we don't know the details to them. Like they're not, they're just telling you that they like schools are presenting it, that they have this, like Texas said, they've got $10 million in this fund. Okay. Well, what are they doing? Like, how are they allocating it? How are they, what is it attached to? Because in order for it to be legal, and I know they're not going to promote it unless they they have some legal attachment to it. Right. Um, in order for it to be legal, there has to be a service provided by the student athlete that's attached to either a charity or a business. So I, the, the concern for me is, I guess, not knowing the details to it. Um, but having said that, as you've seen, okay, um, because of the transfer portal, which I know is a topic of another discussion, uh, but the transfer portal is now directly related to NIL because there are people who are transferring because of what they are hearing is happening for certain athletes at certain schools. And so not only are you dealing with high school kids, you're dealing with you know, a junior in college who may have been first team all conference the year before and, you know, on the basketball team and played 35 minutes a game and got to shoot the ball whenever he wanted to and be on a draft board. But he's like, oh, but for my last year, I think I'm going to go over here because I want to make more money in NIL. Right. Um, so I, that's the concern is, is the lack of detail and the lack of, uh, of reporting about it. But all schools are going to have to jump on board. I, I do believe this, though, guys, and I. I think that's going to be the first thing that the NCAA or the federal government, whoever gets involved, okay, that they're going to dig into. They're going to dig into those things first. 
Um, and they may find nothing wrong with it, you know, and if they do, then more power to the schools to use them. What do you, what do you think the ramifications from this are, you know, from NIL and, and how's it going to affect NCAA and college athletics as we know today? I mean, what, what do you think the landscape's going to look like in not five years, but 10, 15 years? Is this a dramatic shift that's about to occur or you know, what are your thoughts on that? It's already occurring, right? I mean, it's already happening right now. Um, I mean, there's so there are endless different directions that this thing could go, right? If the National Labor Relations Board is, decides that they're going to classify certain student athletes as employees, then those employees can unionize. And then if they can unionize, they can ask for revenue sharing. They can ask for health care. They can ask. I mean, all this stuff is, is out there. It's, it's, it's on the table, potentially, depending on what comes out in January with the NCAA. I, I just worry that if and when that happens, how do you stop? these kids from becoming pros at the amateur level, right? How do you stop pay for play? Because what is revenue sharing? You're paying them for what they're doing on the field or on the court or in the gym or whatever. So I, I, I worry about that more than anything else. I think the, the biggest for, biggest thing for me is, um, you know, as a, as a former collegiate athlete and, and seeing these guys, you know, get some compensation. I, I grew up with, with uh, you know, with, with no money. So my, you know, seeing these guys get some money to help them in college. And, you know, I, I maybe had my parents buy me some groceries every once in a while, but, you know, I, I had to go earn my scholarship, to, you know, to go to college. And then from there I got to, you know, was lucky enough to be talented and put in the work to be able to get drafted. You know, I actually wrote a paper in one of my English classes about why collegiate athletes should be paid more than they were. Um, so to have this come to fruition, um, you know, I think it's great for the athletes. You know, you know, seeing them get a chance to get some money early on, and whether they make mistakes or not, they get to, they get the benefit of learning with that money. Um, you know, maybe they make mistakes, but they probably learn from them at an earlier age. I think it's a great, uh, a great thing for the athlete. And so, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss Match Point. Obviously, um, would have been cool for me to have NIL when I was playing. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say the World Wild West, Wild Wild West, but um, you know, I, th I think it is, <laughs> it is, did, and man. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be good, good for the athletes in the long term, especially if they can get the right, you know, people around them, the right uh, kind of a, advice at, as, you know, at an early age and um, be able to get, get in a, you know, a good situation early on where, where you're, you know, not just looking for forward to that next loo check that for me was like 800 bucks a month. Um, so I, so I think it's great and, uh, you know, appreciate, um, you coming on the podcast, uh, Will, for setting it up. But do you have any other financial guidance for, you know, the athletes, the families of athletes, uh, agents out there? I know the marketing agents are, are, are you know, on a lot of these kids, especially the, the talented ones. Um, uh, for anyone else that's listening out there, uh, what, what kind of parting advice do you have there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there, there are three things that I would love every athlete in the country to hear, right? Um, Number one, in order for you, just strictly attached to NIL, in order for you to succeed and um, in, in different levels of success, right? But in order for you to benefit the most that you can out of this whole uh, premise, I think, number one, okay, your performance on the field, on the court, in the pool, on the track, wherever it is, okay? NIL needs to be a byproduct of that. It needs to be, you know, it, the minute you put NIL ahead of that, that's when what really matters suffers. It's, you know, the reason NIL is in existence is for college athletes. Um, the second thing is obviously the social media 
platform and, and, and your ability to, to use that efficiently uh, on your own behalf, which we've already discussed. But the third thing, and I, and I really think that this is really left by the wayside, probably in every industry, is be a good person. <laughs> you know, um, as, as a young man or a young woman who is representing your, your institution, your family, yourself, be a good person. Don't, don't, don't get in trouble. Don't post stupid things. Don't, don't attach yourself to, to brands that, that aren't representative of who you are. Right. And then the last thing too, from the brand side, because businesses are trying to figure this out as well. There are plenty of businesses that understand the social media model and they understand the benefit to it, but there are businesses out there that are still stuck in, um, you know, I guess the old days where, they're not accepting that social media advertising is here. Oh, and by the way, it's a better ad spend in a lot of in a lot of regards. So learning how to use it, attaching yourself to it, um, and accepting the fact that that you need to use it as a business. Oh, and by the way, if you're in a college town or you know a state that has a, a university, which everyone does, then use it to to help your your universities out as well, right? Use it to help the athletes out. So I think that there can be benefit from both sides. That's that's some great advice, Jonathan. Um, you know, just want to tell you thanks again for for taking the time to be on this podcast with us today. Um, we've really enjoyed the insight that you've given us and our listeners on NIL and the current landscape and, and what we can possibly look forward to in the future. Um, you know, for our listeners out there, please visit our website, awmcap.com, for more great information on NIL and other topics, including more blogs and podcasts um, that cover a wide range of subjects. Uh, if any of our listeners have any questions, please take a look. Please take a look at the show notes at the bottom of the page for contact information. Reach out to us with those. You know, Zach, Jonathan, and I would be happy to help any way that we can answer any questions that y'all might have. You know, thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you again on our next installment of the AWM Capital NIL Podcast Series. educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.